Right, if you would now open your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 47. Genesis chapter 47. We'll begin reading in verse 13. We'll read through the end of the chapter. And there was no bread in all the land, for the famine was very sore. So that the land of Egypt and all the land of Canaan fainted by reason of the famine. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the corn which they bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. And when money failed in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came unto Joseph and said, Give us bread, for why should we die in thy presence? For the money faileth. And Joseph said, Give your cattle, and I will give you for your cattle if money fail. And they brought their cattle unto Joseph, and Joseph gave them bread in exchange for horses and for the flocks and for the cattle of the herds and for the asses. And he fed them with bread for all their cattle for that year. When that year was ended, they came unto him the second year and said unto him, We will not hide it from my Lord, how that our money is spent. My Lord also hath our herds of cattle, and there is Ought left in the sight of my Lord, but our bodies and our lands. Wherefore shall we die before thine eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land for bread, and we and our land will be servants unto Pharaoh. And give us seed that we may live and not die, that the land be not desolate. And Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh. For the Egyptians sold every man his field, because the famine prevailed over them. So the land became Pharaoh's. And as for the people, he removed them to cities from one end of the borders of Egypt, even to the other end thereof. Only the land of the priests bought he not. For the priests had a portion assigned them of Pharaoh, and did eat their portion which Pharaoh gave them. Wherefore, they sold not their lands. Then Joseph said unto the people, Behold, I have bought you this day, and your land for Pharaoh. Lo, here is seed for you, and ye shall sow the land. And it shall come to pass in the increase that ye shall give the fifth part unto Pharaoh, and four parts shall be your own, for the seed of the field, and for your food, and for them of your households, and for food for your little ones. And they said, Thou hast saved our lives. Let us find grace in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's servants. And Joseph made it a law over the land of Egypt, unto this day, that Pharaoh should have the fifth part, except the land of the priest only, which became not Pharaoh's. And Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt, in the country of Goshen, and they had possessions therein, and grew and multiplied exceedingly. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt seventeen years, so the whole age of Jacob was an hundred forty and seven years. And the time drew nigh that Israel must die. And he called his son Joseph and said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and deal kindly and truly with me. Bury me not, I pray thee, in Egypt. But I will lie with my fathers, and thou shalt carry me out of Egypt, and bury me in their burying place. And he said, I will do as thou hast said. And he said, Swear unto me. And he swore unto him. And Israel bowed himself upon the bed's head. We'll end our reading there. Let's bow together. 
Our Father, we come into your courts this evening with thanksgiving. How thankful we are to be able to come before the God of heaven and earth and have our prayers heard. To be able to come before you accepted in the beloved. Father, we're so thankful. And we've come, Father, carefully and reverently, knowing that we come and bow before the King of all the earth. And Father, we come beseeching Thee, begging You, that You be pleased to be merciful to us tonight, that You'd send Your Spirit upon us, and that, Father, You would enable us to hear a word from Thee, that You would enable Your people gathered here to not just hear the voice of a man, but, Father, that You'd speak to us through Your Word, speak to the hearts of each one of us here this evening, Give us faith to believe, to cling to the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, let us behold with awe and wonder everything he has so freely given to his people. What it cost him, it cost him his life's blood to, to be the redeemer of his people, to, to be able to purchase his people out of this world. But all oh, what he gives to his people freely without any charge to us. Father, we're so thankful. And beg of you that you would enable us to worship this evening. And while we pray for ourselves, Father, we pray for your people, wherever they might gather together tonight. Father, bless them for your great namesake. Cause your word to go forth in power, to reveal your glory, to comfort and edify the hearts of your people. Father, for those who are in times of great, difficulty, sickness, heartache. Father, we pray for them. We mentioned Novi earlier. Father, we pray you'd be with her, touch her body and heal her, restore her to, to full strength, be with her in a special way. That whole family, we pray. And others that need you especially, Father, you know where they're at. You know their need. We pray you'd comfort their hearts with your presence. And all these things we ask in that name which is above every name, the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. All right, I've titled the message this evening, The Son Glorified the Father. Now in our text that we just read, Joseph, by his wise government of Egypt, he glorified and enriched Pharaoh. Much more riches and glory than Pharaoh ever could have got on his own. And Joseph did all that as a picture of Christ, the Son of God. The Son of God came to this earth incarnate as the servant of God. And everything he did, he did to honor and glorify, magnify his Father. The main purpose in Christ's coming was not so that he could do something nice for you and me. The main purpose in Christ's coming was that he would glorify and magnify every attribute of his Father. So that all creation could see. Through what the Lord Jesus Christ did. All creation could see. How glorious God is. Now that's why Christ came. And God's sinful people. They're the beneficiaries of that aren't they? See before God could do something for the likes of you and me. He first had to do something for himself. He had to satisfy his holiness. He had to satisfy his righteousness. He had to satisfy his justice. Before God could be gracious. He had to first satisfy his justice. So when God did something for himself and got glory to his name, he did it 
by saving a helpless, sinful people from their sin. God got glory to his name by saving a people nobody else would have saved. He paid the debt for a, a sinful people, a debt nobody else could have paid. That's how God got glory to his name. And I want to show you five pictures of that in our text this evening. Number one, Christ, the servant of God. He bought the whole world for his father. You know, way back before this famine started, before there were seven years of plenty and seven years of famine, remember Joseph was down there in prison. And they brought Joseph up out of the prison. He interpreted Pharaoh's dream. And he told Pharaoh, now this is what you ought to do. You ought to find somebody, you know, wise and discreet, somebody you can trust, and store up food in the seven years of, of, of plenty so you'll have something to eat in the seven years of famine. And Pharaoh said, that's a good idea. And he looked at all his other counselors. He said, boys, he said, I know who we ought to put in charge of this. Joseph. <laughs> Nobody's as wise as this man. Nobody's got the spirit of God like this man. Nobody's wise enough. We can't trust anybody else to save everybody from, from starving like we can this man. We'll put this man in charge. And during those 14 years, not only did Joseph keep the world from starving to death, Joseph made Pharaoh more wealthy and more powerful than he ever had been. Joseph got possession of all the money that was in Egypt. You know, they didn't have paper currency, you know, like we have, you just print some more. Their currency was solid silver. He got all of the silver in a land, all of it, all of it in a land of Egypt, and he put it all in Pharaoh's storehouse, every last ounce of it. Then Joseph got possession of all the livestock, all those animals, farm animals, and all the whatever kind of animals that they had. Joseph took possession of every last one of them and gave the deed to Pharaoh. Now Pharaoh owned every animal in the land of Egypt. Then Joseph got possession of all the land in Egypt and he gave the deed to Pharaoh. Pharaoh owned, not just, he didn't just rule over it all, he owned it all. He had the deed to it. Then Joseph got possession of all the people and gave them to Pharaoh to be his servants and they'd give him 20% of everything that they produced. See, everything Joseph did glorified Pharaoh and rich Pharaoh didn't. And boy, he did a good job of it. <laughs> The only, the one and only thing Joseph did not buy in the land of Egypt was the false religion of that land. Look at verse 22. Only the land of the priests bought he not, for the priests had a portion assigned them of Pharaoh and did eat their portion which Pharaoh gave them. Wherefore they sold not their lands. That was the only land Joseph didn't buy. But he didn't want it anyway. <laughs> that's, that's false religion. He, he didn't want that anyway. He didn't want anything to do with that false religion. But all the rest of it he bought and gave to Pharaoh. Now here's the picture. Before creation, the father put all things into the hand of his son to govern and to rule over. Nobody else was wise enough. Nobody else was strong enough. Nobody else was trustworthy enough to do the job. Nobody else was righteous enough to satisfy God's holiness. Nobody was wise enough. Nobody was loving enough. Nobody was gracious enough to do the job, to redeem sinners from their sin. So the father gave that job to his son, the job of redeeming his elect from their sin. He gave it to his son. Nobody else was trustworthy enough. In the fullness of time, Christ came. He came to do the job his father gave him to do. 
He came to glorify his father in every way possible. He enriched his father, if you will, by showing creation all the glories of God's different attributes. Now, everybody would have thought, everybody who had some idea who God was, they would have said God's wise, wouldn't they? They would have said God. Of course they would have said that. But Christ came and he glorified the wisdom of God. I tell you, the place you see God's wisdom most clearly is in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Only in Christ do we see how can God be both just and still justify the ungodly. Now, how can a holy God ever justify the ungodly without violating his holiness? Without violating, how is that possible? That can only be done through the obedience and sacrifice of Christ. The way God, now we all know God's wise, but God's wisdom is magnified in the person of Christ, isn't it? I would say most people that know anything about God would agree God is gracious. Wouldn't you say most people would agree with that? But I tell you where God's grace is magnified, where it's glorified. It's in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to see how gracious God is, go to Calvary. The father slaughtered his son. He allowed the body of his son to be so abused, it didn't look like a man hanging there. And he made his soul, his soul, an offering for sin before his father. The father did that to his son so he could be gracious to the likes of you and me. Gary, that's grace. No. Now you see the shine and the glory of God's grace, don't you? By looking at Christ. God shows grace to sinners like us because he gave his wrath to Christ our substitute. Now, I mean, that's grace. That, that makes it just all the more glorious, doesn't it? Christ came and he also glorified the holy justice of God. Now again, I would say everybody that knows anything about God would say, yes, God's holy. Yes, God's just. Of course he is. But I tell you where you see God's holy justice glorified and magnified. It's in the person of God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Father is so inflexibly holy, so inflexibly just. You know, we say holy, but we think, you know, there's some rigor in there. No, there's not. You, there's perfect holiness or there's unholiness. That's all there is. There's either perfect justice or there, there's no justice. God is so inflexibly holy. He's so inflexibly just that he slaughtered even his only beloved son when his son was made sin for his people. Now, every parent here would, would like to think I'd be just. But now we'd find every way in this world possible to cut our child some slack, wouldn't we? Not God the Father. He slaughtered his son because he's holy and just. And the place you really see that is at the cross. The cross glorifies and magnifies God's justice. Now here's some comfort for your soul to show you how glorious Christ made God's holy justice. The Father will never condemn his people. Never. 
because he already condemned Christ our substitute for our sin. Now that's glorious. That's glorious. I'll admit to you a little secret. On Wednesday evenings, if I get here a little early, get everything done that I uh, need to get done, I sign on to Sermon Audio. And I see who who is live streaming now. And there's this fella. I thought, well, this this looks kind of interesting. So I watched his his, uh, live stream. And boy, he about blew me out of my chair at first. He talked about the Lord telling those Pharisees, you believe not because you're not of my sheep. And I thought, well, now, it's impossible to mess that up. And he didn't. He said, this is it. Now, those people did not believe because they were not God's elect. Only God's elect will believe on them. Oh, now we might be on something here. We went on a little ways and talked about how, you know, God's sheep, they can't lose their salvation. And I'm not being picky, but this is this is what he said. This man may be a brother. He might be preaching the gospel, but this is what he said. Can one of God's sheep commit such a heinous sin that God would take their sin, that he would take their salvation away from them? Now the answer is no. And he said the answer is no. But here's why he said that's not possible. Because you won't do that. God's sheep won't do that. God won't let them. No, sir. <laughs> No, 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 no. That's not right. You're right. God's sheep can never lose their salvation. You know why they can never lose their salvation? All of our sin. All of our sin is heinous. I mean, we think, oh, I just told a little white lie. That's heinous in God's sight. God sent us down for that. Our heinous sin has already been punished in the person of our substitute. That's why God's sheep can't lose their salvation. Aren't you thankful God's just? That justice is seen and glorified at Calvary. Look at Philippians chapter 2. Here Paul tells us how that everything the Savior did was so that creation would see the glory of the Father. Philippians chapter 2. Verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, because he did that, God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name. Now, why did God do it all that way? Why did God accomplish the redemption of his people that way? Verse 11 or verse 10 tells us that. Now, here's why God did it. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, The way God did all of that through his son was all done for the glory of God the Father. The way we see the glory of the Father is by what he sent his son to accomplish. Look at John chapter 17. Here the Savior tells us he bought the whole world. 
so that he could redeem his elect out of it. John 17, verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. Now this is the reason the Son went to the cross. You see, he's going to glorify his Father. He said, enable me to glorify you. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Now the Father's greatest glory is seen by the Lord Jesus Christ suffering and dying to redeem his people. He bought the right to the whole world, to every son of Adam. God gave, the Father gave him power over all flesh so that he could reach down and redeem his people out of it. Now that shows us the glory of God, doesn't it? What he did for his people. So Christ bought it all for his father. The father owns it all. He rules over it all. He owns all the people in it. Well, here's my second point. This sovereign of all slowly brings his people to himself. Now, he redeemed them. He bought them. They belong to him. It's his purpose to redeem them, but he slowly brings those people to himself. Now we know this. Almighty God has a people he's going to save. His elect. Those people he chose to save before he created anything. Before the Lord saves those people. Before he reveals himself to them. Before he, he brings them to Christ and gives them life. The Lord's got to slowly strip away. Everything that they trust in. Until they have nothing left to trust in. But Christ. You heard men say before about being shut up to Christ. That's what that means. The Lord stripped away everything so the only place we have to go is to Christ. Now that's pictured in our text. Egypt was a wealthy, wealthy country. People there had plenty because they lived in a land of plenty. This is the most advanced civilization on earth at that time. And Joseph slowly stripped away everything that the people had to depend on until they were left with only him to depend upon. First, Joseph took all their money. Look at verse 13. And there was no bread in all the land, for the famine was very sore, so that the land of Egypt and all the land of Canaan fainted by reason of the famine. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan for the corn which they brought. He traded them corn for the money to steal it. He sold them the corn at a fair price. And he got all the money in Egypt and Canaan and brought the money into Pharaoh's house. And verse 15 says, And when the money failed in the land of Egypt and in all the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came unto Joseph and said, Give us bread, for why should we die in thy presence? For the money faileth. Now, I absolutely love this. When all the money was gone, they didn't have any money and no more silver did they have to take to Joseph to buy any more corn. And this is what they said. Joseph... Why should we die in your presence? Isn't that what a believer says when we come to God begging for mercy? Lord, why should I die in the presence of the Savior? Why should I die in the presence of life himself? I don't have any goodness in me. There's nothing good in me that would, that would give me life, but he does. Christ has all the mercy. 
He has all the power. He has all the forgiveness. He has the blood to pay the price. Why should I die in his presence since Christ can give me life? I'm coming begging for it. Why should I die in your presence? Well, when all the money was gone, Joseph, he didn't let him die in his presence, did he? He said, well, I'll trade your corn for your livestock. And he got all the livestock in the land of Egypt. Verse 16. And Joseph said, give your cattle, and I'll give you for your cattle if money fail. And they brought their cattle unto Joseph, and Joseph gave them bread in exchange for the horses and for the flocks and the cattle of the herds and for the asses. And he fed them with bread for all their cattle for that year. Joseph took possession of all the livestock, and he gave them bread to feed them for that all whole year long. Well, now the money's all gone. Pharaoh's got all of it. Now the livestock's all gone. Pharaoh's got all of it. But the famine's still going strong. It's going to be several years this famine's over. So next, Joseph takes their land, and then he takes all the people. So they all belong to Pharaoh. Verse 18. When that year was ended, they came unto him the second year, and said unto him, Will not hide it from my Lord, how that our money is spent. My Lord also hath our herds of cattle, and there is aught left in the sight of my Lord, but our bodies and our lands. And here they say it again, Wherefore should we die before thine eyes? How can we die in thy presence, in, in, in your presence? Both we and our land. By us and our land for bread, and we and our land will be servants unto Pharaoh. And give us seed that we may live and not die, that the land be not desolate. Well now, everything... And everyone in all the land of Egypt belongs to Pharaoh. It all belongs to him. Joseph had bought it all for Pharaoh to glorify and enrich Pharaoh. Just like Christ did for his father. But you notice that took a process, didn't it? It didn't happen instantly. It took a process. See, the people at the beginning of this famine, the people wouldn't have been willing to become Pharaoh's servant. They said, no, I'm not going to be his servant. We just had these seven years of plenty. Well, I've stored up all, the, all this corn. I got, I got plenty of things for my, myself, you know. I, I, got, I, I got stuff saved up, you know. They wouldn't have been willing to be a slave dependent on somebody else at that time. They had plenty of food in the cabinets, didn't they? They had plenty of corn in their own silos. But Joseph slowly took all of that away until at the end, they were begging to be Pharaoh's servants. Let us be your servants. Now that's a picture of how the Lord whittles down his people. You know, we come into this world thinking we've got a lot of resources. We think we can be self-sufficient. We think, I've got enough good works to get by. I've got enough righteousness that it's enough. You know, my mama and my daddy and my grandparents, they've been telling me I'm lovable since the day I was born. I must be lovable enough that God will overlook my sin and, he, and he'll accept me. He won't damn me because of my sin because I'm so cute. We think, now I can do enough that God will overlook my sin. Why, Lord preached in your name, done many wonderful works in your name. We've fed the poor in your name. We've done all these many, many wonderful works in your name. We think all of our religious activities is good enough that God will be happy with us. Now I know some people go to the grave trusting that. 
But you belong to Christ, you won't. God's going to slowly strip all of that away until we're naked before him. See, God has to take away everything that the flesh trusts in. That's painful, isn't it? He's got to take away everything that the flesh trusts. It's painful to find out I'm not lovable. It's painful to find out how wretched and vile I am in my sin. It's painful to find out I can't, I'm not self, self-sufficient, not self-dependent. I, that's painful to find out I'm dependent on somebody else to give me grace I don't deserve. That's painful to this flesh. But I tell you what, we're never come, gonna come before God like these people came before Joseph. And so, Lord, I'm not hiding anything from you. I'm not hiding my sin from you. I'm not hiding my self-righteousness from you. You see me as I am. That's why I'm begging for grace. I'm not hiding any of my sin from you so that you can forgive it. I'm not hiding it. God has to take away all hope we have in the flesh until we have one hope of salvation. The Lord Jesus Christ. That's a process. And God's going to do it that way because that's the only way this rotten flesh is ever going to beg for mercy. Matter of fact, this rotten flesh won't ever beg for mercy. God's got to give us a new nature to beg for mercy, doesn't he? I mean, we're hopeless. God's got to do it all. And God, Joseph did it that way as a picture how God strips away everything some his people trust in so that they'll trust in his son. Now here's something I'd like to ask you. Maybe you thought this. I, I kind of thought this when I first read this, this passage. Was Joseph being kind of mean here? Was he being kind of cruel to these people? I mean, it seems like he's taking advantage of, of them in this situation. Is he? Absolutely not. Here's the third thing. Christ bought it all so he could redeem his people out of this world. Verse 23, Joseph said unto the people, Behold, I've bought you this day and your land for Pharaoh. Now, when Joseph said, I bought you this day, you know what he's literally saying? I've redeemed you today. I've redeemed you. I've paid your grocery bill so you never have to go without food again. I took the responsibility of keeping you alive. I took the responsibility of taking care of you. You belong to Pharaoh, but I took the responsibility to take care of you. I bought you. So the responsibility for your life is not on you anymore. It's on me. And Joseph had been such a wise ruler. He had conducted himself in such a way that people were very willing to be Pharaoh's servants for Joseph's sake. Look at verse 25. And they said, Thou hast saved our lives. Let us find grace in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's servants. Well, this is just not typical human nature, human behavior. The people thought so highly of Joseph. They thought so highly of how wise he was in saving their lives. They said, Joseph, let us find grace in your sight to be your servants and to own nothing. You know, normally you think we'd say, Joseph, let me find favor in your sight that I can own a little piece of land over here that I can call my own. That's not what they said. They didn't say, Joseph, let me find grace in your sight that I can be free from having to be Pharaoh's servant. They said, Joseph, 
Let us find grace in your sight so we can be your servants. Now that's amazing. And the only reason anybody would say that is because of the character of Joseph. Now that's a clear picture of what Christ has done for his people. He's redeemed his people from their sin. He paid the debt. He bought us lock, stock, and barrel with his precious blood. We are not our own. We're bought with the price. How scripture says, we don't belong to ourselves anymore. Now we belong to Christ and we serve at his pleasure. Don't we? We serve him at his pleasure. Wherever it is he has us serve and whatever it is he has us do, that's what we do. And we're happy to do it. Christ the Lord is so wonderful. He's such a wonderful, gracious, wise Savior. He makes his people willing to be his servants. He makes it so we come to him saying, Lord, don't let me be be responsible for anything. You be responsible for me. Lord, I'm, I'm your property. Do with me as you will. I'm yours. Now, how in the world did that happen? He made us willing in the day of his power. He made us willing because he's such a wise and gracious and loving Savior. He made us willing because first thing he did is revealed to us his glory, didn't he? He made us willing to be his servants. Well, here's the fourth thing. Here's another reason I'm saying, now Joseph wasn't being mean to these people. He wasn't, you know, taking advantage of them. Once Christ owns you, lock, stock, and barrel, he gives you everything freely. In verse 23, Joseph said unto the people, Behold, I bought you. I redeemed you this day in your land for Pharaoh. Lo, here's seed for you, and you shall sow the land. Joseph said, now you belong to Pharaoh now. What he really meant is you belong to me. I'm, I'm the one governing you. I'm the one that's going to manage all of your affairs now. And I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to give you everything that you need. Here's seed for free. Now before, they had to trade all their money. But that wasn't enough to see them through, was it? Then they had to trade all their livestock. And that wasn't enough to see them through the, through the famine. Then they had to trade all their land. And that wasn't good enough to see them through the famine. Then they trade themselves and that wasn't good enough to see them through the famine. And when everything was gone, Joseph said, here it is for free. <laughs> now you take it. You, you feed yourselves. You feed your little ones. You have, have a seed to, to plant so you, that you can, uh, can, can grow crops. And you, and you give 20% of it to Pharaoh. That's all you got. That's all you got to get back. He gave him seed for free. And that's what the Savior says to his people. I bought you. I bought you with my, with my blood. I redeemed you. You belong to me. Here's everything freely. Everything that you need to stand before the Father, perfect. I give it to you freely. Now it cost him, didn't it? He paid the price and he gave it to his people freely. Christ gives his people bread to eat. He gives us himself, the bread of life. He gives us his word to open up. This is the the children's bread. And he also gives us seed. I thought about this. I think about this a whole lot. 
the seed. It's the next generation to be born. Till Christ returns, there's another generation coming. Now it's us up, up, up to us to take care of them, to preach Christ to them, to teach them the scriptures, and to always point them to Christ. God's given us a seed. And Joseph, he took care of everything for them. Look at verse 21. And as for the people, he removed them to cities from one end of the borders of Egypt, even to the other end thereof. Now Joseph took them and he made them all move to the cities. And you think, I, I don't know, that kind of reeks of fascism or something, doesn't it? I mean, no, 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 no. Joseph was being wise and gracious. You know why? You remember reading this in the seven years of planting? Where did Joseph store the corn? In all the cities. He took the people that didn't have nothing and he put them in a place where the food was stored. So they'd be right there by it. Now I know you see that's a picture. It's a picture of the local church. God sets his people in the local church. You know why? That's where sheep food's found. God sets his people in the local church because that's where the Lord's presence is. Gathered together with his people. And they gather together to worship him and preach the gospel. This is a place God's grace is preached. The forgiveness of sin is preached here. The person of Christ is preached here. Everything that you need for spiritual life, for a healthy spiritual life, everything that you need to instruct you in the ways of righteousness, everything that you need to keep pointing you to Christ, everything that you need, for the comfort of your soul is preached here in the person of the, by preaching the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is where God sets his people. In this local church and one over there and one over there. And one over, I know where a bunch of them are at, don't you? God's given that to his people and put them there because that's what food is. Then here's the last thing. Now our Savior bought this whole world. He owns it. He runs it. He governs it. He blesses it for the sake of his people. But the prayer of his people is, Lord, thank you. Thank you for all the blessings of this. Thank you. But don't leave me here. Look at verse 27. And Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt, in the country of Goshen. And they had possessions therein, and grew and multiplied exceedingly. Remember, Joseph was taking care of them too, wasn't he? And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. So the whole age of Jacob was 140 and seven years. And the time drew nigh that Israel must die. And he called his son Joseph and said unto him, If now I found grace in thy sight, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and deal kindly and truly with me. Bury me not, I pray thee, in Egypt. But I will lie with my fathers, and thou shalt carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burying place. And he said, I will do as thou hast said. And he said, swear unto me. And he swear unto him. And Israel bowed himself upon the bed's head. But Jacob tells his son Joseph, Son, I know you've been made ruler over this place. And boy, son, you're doing a good job. Oh, the Lord's blessed this land because of you. He's, he's blessed you with wisdom and understanding. He always... Oh, He's blessed us. You brought us to this land. He's blessed us mightily because of you. 
I just can't even, we just can't even reckon up in order the, the blessings God's given us here. Not just Egypt. Not just this 70 people that came down to Egypt, you know, with, but the whole world has been blessed because of you. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful to be here. Can't you just imagine Jacob after all those years? You know he enjoyed these 17 years getting to see that favorite son. He enjoyed it. He enjoyed it. It made him happy. But Jacob says, son, there's a better place than here. Now this, I'm thankful, aren't you? But there's a better place than here. It's the land of God's promise. Don't you bury me here. You take my body, you bury me in the land of God's promise. That land that God promised my grandfather, my father and me. You take me there and bury me there. Now that's what a believer says, isn't it? This world has been blessed for Christ's sake. It's been blessed for the sake of his people. Now I know it's it's full of sin and every day, I mean every single day, we find new examples of men just running off the rails, don't we? Just it's unbelievable. But even with all this sin that's in us and around us, now there's a lot to enjoy here. There's a lot to enjoy. You know, I love being able to worship here with you all. I count it a great, great blessing. I just, it's one of the, the, it's just a, I hope I don't say this wrong, but it's just, it's such an honor to be your pastor and to worship with you. I just, I love it. I love to be able to enjoy God's family here. This week I've talked to God's family from all over the place. I mean, all over the place. Bruce Crabtree told, I forgot, I should have told you to start the service, told me to tell everybody hello, how much he loves you. I just, I've talked to, I mean, it's just been such a blessing. Even though this word's so sinful, that's a blessing. And I enjoy my family. I enjoy my, my loved ones. They make me happy. I mean, I'm just telling you now, they make me happy. God's just blessed us with so much in every way. I mean, there's not one person here worrying about going to bed hungry tonight. I mean, just how he's blessed us. But there's a better place than here. And the believer's prayer is, Lord, don't leave me here forever. Don't leave me here forever. Janet told me today about the second oldest woman in the world, 116 years old. Not so sure that's a blessing, are you? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But I know this. This is the believer's prayer. I don't know the time, but Lord, you do. When it's time, take me out of here and fulfill your promise and take me to be with you that I may see you as you are and behold your glory just like you promised. Isn't that the believer's prayer? I'm thankful for this place. I'm thankful. But there's a better place. And I long for that time when the Savior says, come on. Don't you? All right. I hope the Lord bless that to you. Let's bow together. Father, how we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. How we thank you for your, your wisdom and your love that provided such a salvation for vile, hell-deserving sinners like we are.
through the sacrifice and the blood of your own beloved son. Father, how we thank you. Oh, we can't thank you enough. Human language cannot express the, the thanksgiving for redemption in Christ Jesus, for your constant love and care and provision over us. Father, we're thankful. Father, I pray that you take your word as it's been preached tonight. Father, by your spirit, show each one of us here tonight the glory of Christ our Savior and cause us to run to him, to rest in him and trust in him. Father, it's in his name. For his sake and his glory, we pray. Amen. Sean.